This is April Dawn Scheffler, and I welcome you to another play date in Sheffy's Sandbox. This time our guest is Sprout Love, and yes, I do ask her about her name in the interview, so stay tuned. But before you meet Sprout, just a few notes. You'll hear us mention the Go For Your Win course. Well, after our conversation, as I was searching for websites to put in the show notes, I saw that they are again running the $1 price point for those in need. So I invite you to click on the link in the show notes and see if that program is something that calls to you. And I am also super hyped to welcome my first Thunder Tier patron over at patreon.com. Thank you so much, Becky. And I'm almost done with her little welcome gift. So that little baby will be headed to Hawaii here shortly. Now, if you want to support what it is that I'm trying to make here in Sheffy's Sandbox and on my website, I invite you to check out patreon.com forward slash aprilific. A link to that is also in this episode's show notes. Now, let's get on with the show. Thanks for joining me in Sheffy's Sandbox. I'm April D. Scheffler, and I invite you to play with me and my guest today, Sprout Love. Welcome, Sprout. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. In this segment, we pop into a virtual coffee house before hitting the beach. And being the benevolent host that I am, your order's on me. So what order do you give the barista? Oh, gosh. What are they called? It's like, it's been like a new order because first it was always a flat white, then it was a pour over. But lately it's been a double shot of espresso with a little bit of steamed milk. I love their name too. It'll come to me later. (laughs) What? Well, sometimes living one's purpose and going through this human experience can look like playing big, and other times it can look like playing small. So in your spotlight moments, Sprout, have there been any claims to fame times our listeners may have seen you or your work? Mm, No, no. Not unless you were out and about at a Spartan race, would you have seen me coming down off of a mountain? But even then, it's like out of so many hundred people, but no. And, and that's fine. It's a, not all fame is, is good fame. <laughs> there's, there's such a thing as notoriety, so. <laughs> Guests are asked to choose a word or phrase that they would like to hear used more often in everyday conversation. Something that doesn't get enough play or enough airtime. And the prior guest chose fervent. So you are tasked to try to somehow fit that word into our conversation today, okay? Okay. Now, you also get to choose a word for the next guest to dance with. And it could be a peculiar word that you find funny or that just resonates with you. So what are you laying down for our next guest to pick up? (laughs) Slaps. Let's do slaps. 
Okay, so can you spell that for me? Yeah, like a slap. S-L-A-P-S. <laughs> okay. Is there a definition that I'm not aware of or just like flap around? <laughs> I love it when my friends are eating something good. There's a couple of people. And it, when it's really good, they say that slaps. <laughs> yeah, it's, sometimes I'm like totally... Funny not with the the current lingo <laughs> oh neither am i i surround myself in mm, with the conning community and a little bit of uh, i wouldn't say skateboarding community but yeah more of snowboarding definitely outdoorsy but there's a different lingo and i find that language just so funny <laughs> so that flaps if it's yeah. really good yeah. <laughs> okay, I can't wait to see what our next guest how they incorporate that <laughs> into their into their interview. That's gonna be cool. Okay. And my word was frivolent. Yeah. A fervent. F E R V E N T. Fervent. Fervent. What does this mean? Fervent means like you have that little extra dedication or fire, like. Oh loving something fervently it has okay, passion and energy into it like there's no holding back if you're doing it fervently let's start off with how we met listeners who have been following me for a while they are very familiar with me talking about the go for your win course so i first saw your post on a forum on Facebook for the members of that community. So before we get into what you posted that made me reach out to you, can you tell us how you joined Go For Your Win? What prompted you to join? I love Aubrey Marcus. I love the work that he puts out there. I love the messages that he shares. And he's inspired me to think more outside of the box. And I like the direction where he comes from. And over the past few years, I've, I've invested into myself and I took a chance on this program because it was only a dollar and it was through, you know, quarantine. Not that we're not in quarantine right now, but through quarantine and I thought, why not? Let's see what he has to say and how I can grow even more. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I had that had been on my radar and I'd wanted to, but the usual $99 or whatever it was normally, it seemed a little steep for me at the time. And so as soon as it dropped down to a dollar, I was like, heck yeah, I'm, I'm all in. And so I was really excited that they made it even more accessible. Did you? And this is definitely not putting any shoulds or shame or expectation, but did you finish the program? No. Okay. And I don't know of very many people who have, <laughs> but I think regardless of where they are in the program, everyone has, who's tried it has found it a, like this fantastic springboard into whatever it is that does capture their attention and 
and draws them further along their path of personal development and their own dharma, their own purpose, their own mission. So I don't know how far you got. And I'm, I'm not saying I'm done. I'm leaving it out there that I'm still working on it. <laughs> I'll pick it up every now and then. But I think right now I'm in lesson seven. I started lesson eight and I got to the practice number one, which was the seven day cold shower challenge. Mm. So when I saw that as I was going through the course, I just had this dread spread through my heart. I don't know if it's a past life issue or what, but I do not like cold. It's just not something that calls to me. <laughs> But I keep hearing over and over again about how therapeutic it is and how it's never going to be comfortable, but in a way it's invigorating because you're training your nervous system that you're not dying. You're choosing something that challenges you that's not killing you. And that practice sets you up for success with other things. And so what I did like about it is when it said that you didn't actually have to time it and try to see how long you could stand it. All it was asking you at least this first week was to make it happen. It could just be a split second, but at least you yeah. had that cold water hit you. And so I guess it was the seven day being, I think it takes that long to start any habit. So I, I did do that. What I do personally, because I have incorporated it, I've done the challenges, whether I did it that for that week, but I love to go in there and just imagine that Pachamama is cleansing me of my worries, my anxieties. And so not only do I take it into, it's good for my white blood cell count, but I, I take it as a moment to connect and just really ground. Pachamama is a word for Mother Earth. I thought it was really cool. Like some of the exercises were really neat as far as envisioning what my win looked like because I had thought about that. What does my win look like? But this was actually sitting down step-by-step. Step. What does it look like? What does that look like in a normal day? Write out your schedule. What does this look like? Where are you in your ideal version and, and what do you see yourself doing? Do you see yourself working alone or with someone else? And so it just helped me construct that visualization of what my win actually looked like. And it was cool because the emphasis was on that win is very personal, personalized. So all these people who I saw posting about their wins, a personal win would look like for them, they were motivational speakers or they saw themselves having a giant company and that was not <laughs> mm -mm. that was not me and so it, my win was not looking like that at all and so I had the the assurance that my win is supposed to look different from everyone else's if we all had the win that looked exactly the same we wouldn't be able to support each other in our wins because we'd all be going after the same a chunk of cheese, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I think I enjoyed too is the prompt to journal and to really, like you just said, really get you to step into it. Anything that just helps and that, that encourages that to 
to to get me thinking and going and really stepping into it has helped me tremendously. Tell us what you posted on the Facebook community page. I posted a little, it wasn't an ad, a flyer that I was doing 30 free Reiki sessions in order to receive my Reiki 2 certification. And so you were looking for some people to sign up for Reiki to get you your 30 sessions under your belt. Yes. And, you know, I posted there. I posted in a couple other groups because I have done other programs. I posted on my Instagram and, and on my Facebook. So I, I went for every possible avenue and I just went for it and put myself out there. Some of the people that I've met through the Go For Your Win have been really amazing people that I've stayed, that has been probably the biggest blessing out of this whole course was the people that I've connected with. They'll write, because it's, the course is presented in uh, the discuss format. Anyway, and so you can see what people will comment and they'll write something that's just jaw dropping, like, oh, wow, that is, you just resonate with that. And then you reach out to that person and then this relationship starts and and it's been really cool to connect with people who are on the same, same journey. So what prompted you to, I guess, I guess I'm always curious how we get to where we are now, because no one pops out of their mother's womb wanting to be a yogi or a snowboarder or a Reiki master or anything like that. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Yeah, so probably about three years ago, a little longer, I, uh, no, probably, anyways, about five years ago, I'll say, I was going through a rough patch in my relationship, and to punish myself, on the cliff bar, there was an advertisement for a Spartan race. And I was like, that looks really hard. And what Spartan races are, if you're not aware, are obstacle course races. They, they're all throughout America. They, they put them in mountains. They put them in deserts. They're anywhere from zero elevation to 14,000 or, or around 8,000 8, that you'll get gained, maybe 14. But yeah, so I decided to sign myself up. And it turned out that I ended up loving it. I mean, I felt sick, but I loved it. It was like torturous, but like I was outside and I loved it. And this got me on my fitness journey, which then brought me to the mountain, which I live in a desert town. So I have to commute about two hours to get to the mountain. So rewind about three years ago, I was going to go train So I went to one of the local peaks and it was icy. Well, I did the best that I could, but the gear that I was waiting for did not come in. And so I went to my local big five and I got some, some things to put underneath my shoes and, and they just weren't good enough. And I was with a friend and we were climbing up the mountain. I was ahead of him most of the time. And then I started slowing down. And I was digging in my feet because it was icy. And I was like, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure. 
And the next thing you knew, I fell about 200 feet. I was going about 14 miles an hour. I hit two trees. I landed on a tree and he just downed me. I was scared because, well, for obvious reasons, but I didn't have insurance. I was really hesitant to, to call. So now I took those scariest walk of my life. We got to a clear path. But one of the first things that happened was that I didn't want to call my ex of seven years. That was my first thought was like this really negative thought. I was just, I should, I should have died. I should have died. And that's my first thought. I get to the hospital anyways. So I recovered pretty quickly. But that flipped my world upside down. In those two weeks after the accident, I was having the worst panic attacks. And so not only had I started shifting a little prior to that, when I started getting into my fitness and, and finding something that really reignites me and lights me up, because I didn't understand it. I didn't understand what was happening. But that totally shifted my world. From that point, I ended up losing my job. I was pretty happy, but I had a concussion and I was slipping around time. But when I reflect on it now, I mean, I feel like it's the universe telling me, no, it's time because I had been juggling. I, I want to go to yoga school, but I don't think they're going to give me the time off. Well, long story short, I ended up just being asked to leave and it was a struggle that year but I got to do so many things and without hesitation and I ended up going to yoga school and it was so it was the most I, I want to say it just it peeled me open from the inside we were doing breath work and visualizations and it was just something that I've never experienced but I felt like I was home and yoga has always been something that's been in and out of my life but yeah that's that's I'm so sorry I feel like I'm getting off track remind me of the question again uh, so it was a very nebulous question so you could have taken it all kinds of ways it was just your path what has been your journey from yeah. I guess uh, from I don't know, you're, you're awakening in a way. Okay, cool. So we are on the right path. Yes. yes. <laughs> cool. Because uh, I've been practicing the getting, not getting lost. Because once you get me in here, I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, so that brought me to, to yoga school. And that really just kept peeling me open. And I was like, I don't want to stop learning. And I haven't whether it's in my walking life, just day to day, or joining programs like this, because I just want more, and you just want more, and, and you see how you, or at least for myself, I want to experience peeling all those layers back, and just being as authentic as possible. Throughout the course of the last few years, I've gotten my 200-hour yoga certification. I've gone through, like, couple classes of like Ayurveda. Last year I did my Reiki one twice because I got asked to assist in a class 
And so I got to go through it again. This is going to be my third, well, it'll be the second third, but I'm actually redoing my 200 hour because I was like, let's just redo it because it's been about a few years now. So yeah, that's how I got where I am. I realized that I wasn't living my fullest self. I wasn't being completely honest. And every year, which that happened about like a week ago was like my my anniversary that I should have died. And I, I always like reflecting back because my whole world has changed in the best way possible. It's been scary. It's been nerve wracking right now. So many things are moving and shifting for me. And I think if it wasn't for uh, the way that things have worked out, I wouldn't be here talking to you. When the story started, you were at this bar, devastated because of a relationship that went wrong. So has this journey of self uh, discovery and exploration, has that healed relationships in your life? Yeah, with my mom. Mm. Yeah, a lot of, I mean, it, it healed my relationship on such a wide base. It's healed friendships, new ones, the way that I enter them, um, the way that I behave in them, and definitely with my mom. And whether or not that relationship went wrong, I would say, I mean, I think it went right, you know? And it's almost like a blessing that I fell off the mountain because I don't know how long I would have stayed in something because I felt like I quote unquote should have because you're with a person and you think this is where I'm supposed to stay because I've been here for so long and all my love to them, they're, they're, they're amazing in their own ways, but how how was I serving myself by abandoning myself? And that's where I noticed that I, that I abandoned myself. And that's where a lot of my root issues come from. How did you first discover Reiki? So is it one of those things where in my life, at least it wasn't that I knew anything about it. So just generally some of these paths. I wasn't searching it out or looking for it, didn't know anything about it, but yet it comes in the form of a newsletter or in my inbox, in my email or something like that. Something just says, okay, wow, I have the time and it sounds interesting. You know, let's do it. So what was your introduction to Reiki? My introduction um, is I always remembered the word because my dad would always bring it up and he'd be like, oh, I'm going to, one day I'm going to go do Reiki. I'm going to get balanced out. And then I was actually doing a restorative session with a client and she had asked me, have you gone to school for this? And I was for Reiki. And I was like, no. She's like, I, I think you have something going on. You should look into it. Like you should explore can I, that. Can I interrupt you for a second? What is a uh, restorative session? Oh, restorative yoga. So you hold poses anywhere from seven to 10 minutes. You have these big old pillows. You have about seven, which are called bolsters. And you have about seven blankets. 
and you go into the yoga poses, but I instruct you or I assist you. So you are just getting surrounded by all these pillows and super supported. And I like playing binaural beats, which is something that I've learned from Aubrey. That's where I started that journey. And that's how I ended up incorporating it into my sessions. And so it's an hour long session of yoga poses that are fully supported. I love telling stories, building a story from the poses. So every pose is very intentional. So with the Reiki, you show up to class. Was this also during COVID or did you actually attend in-person Reiki class? Both. So that's what inspired me to get started. And then I found I was really looking for basically a person of color that wasn't offering it because everywhere you look, there's always a Caucasian person teaching it. And so I am Nicaraguan, Guatemalan, and Mexican. And I love supporting my culture and other people's cultures, not to say anything about anyone else. But really, like, you you don't see a lot of that. And so I found the Salt Room community in Long Beach, and they were offering an online, and they, too, were running a special, and it was during quarantine. And so I ended up going through with it with them. So I'm assuming you had Reiki done first before you went to, to learn how to do it? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I didn't. It's kind of like how the uh, Akashic Records, I heard about it. And I, was, I just knew, I was like, I'm totally signing up for a class about how to read my own records without having already booked a session to have someone else read them for me. So I had no idea really what that looked like to have my Akashic Records read. But yeah, so I signed up for the class, and while I was waiting for the class, I went ahead and I had got a session where I had my uh, records read for me. But yeah, that's so cool. Sometimes we just know. So if you just trust that where your curiosity and synchronicities are leading you, you can find yourself in some really cool places. Yeah, and honestly, with this whole journey, I've thrown myself into any opportunity where I can say yes and to experience something and to find out whether or not it's for me. Mm -hmm. And I did end up going through an in-person during quarantine, and that was such a magical experience. And they incorporated tarot here in LA. So that's one of the cool gifts about horrible experiences whenever we place that judgment on something as having been horrible is that yeah, now you know yeah. what you don't want and so whenever the something else comes along in comparison you're like okay wow this feels right and maybe you wouldn't have known exactly how right it felt if you didn't know the opposite <laughs> yeah yeah sometimes it's just as important to know what you don't want as it is to know what you do want. So I've tried to take that perspective whenever I would otherwise be tempted to think, oh, wow, that was a waste of time. Or 
that was so not beneficial or that was horrible or I totally didn't resonate with these people something but I've been trying to put that spin on it that it's it's all what it's supposed to be and there was a gift in there regardless and so sometimes I just don't know what it is yet but it'll it'll show up eventually <laughs> yeah yeah and I think that there's gifts there's baby gifts all throughout all throughout the way it's just a matter of perspective and the willingness to be able to see it so tell us a little bit about your Reiki 2 class, because as you mentioned, it included uh, some tarot cards. And I know from our session together, because I think we went over this, I signed up. I was one of those people who signed up for those empty 30 slots to help you, to help you. I, I thought that was so cool. I was like, free Reiki? Sure. That's <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> So I was more than happy to help you and myself at the same time. So anyway, from our session, you had also used a pendant to find out where maybe the blockages, some blockages were in my chakras. So it sounds like it wasn't just Reiki. So whoever was teaching you had a, a unique blend of different things that they were incorporating into a session. So can you tell us a little bit more about the teacher and the class? Yeah, so it's a couple. I want to say it's called the Salt Lounge. It's in Long Beach. And they taught us three different techniques. Now, it's our choices whether or not we want to incorporate it. So we go through an aura cleanse. And then there's also where I used a pendulum to go each, over each each of your chakras and then I went through all the hand placements and so what I do when I'm on my own is I can either go up to my thigh or I can use something but I usually use my thigh and I'll reenact as if I'm going over your feet and and your hips and all the different hand placements they were not the ones that incorporated the tarot it was actually a couple of other girls from the the second time that I took it I really enjoyed being taught like this this platter of different approaches and and everything so I just I would say yes I want to use it all <laughs> so what has been the uh, allure of the uh, tarot for you oh I love how much it connects and the messages the way that it's it's connected so much during a reading. For me, I believe it can be very healing, give us a little bit more message because I can just tell you like, okay, like this and this is, is blocked and you can do this and this. But I think that visually it's nice to look at and getting the downloads. And when I say downloads, which it feels like, getting the downloads are, are messages from the divine that I feel like are just coming to me and, and flowing through me. And I love sharing that. So you've probably heard the, uh, the myths that make us podcasts. He goes over how important story is to the, to the human mind and the human experience. We live stories. We love stories. And so I can see how 
the imagery on a card gives us uh, a story, a metaphor to concentrate on and make it a little bit more, the message more accessible, as opposed to just being ethereal concept, able to put it into a form that our mind, our story loving mind can grab hold of and uh, use to reinforce mm -hmm. the, the message of love and direction. Let's talk about our session. Was I the very first distance Reiki session? Yeah, you were. <laughs> it was pretty neat in that this was my first distance Reiki session. So I'm there lying down with my music going on. So what you do is you send the person that you're doing Reiki on a link to your Spotify playlist for them to listen to during the session. And so you'll tell them, listen to this. So we, we were, on, we're on the phone with each other. You're like, okay, push the playlist at you know top of the hour. And then I will call you in an hour and kind of tell you what, as a practitioner, you were experiencing or you felt or you sensed throughout the session. And then we hang up. I put on my headphones and listened to the playlist, which was really relaxing. And I liked your choice of music. I thought it was not distracting. So I enjoyed the music. It was very relaxing. And then I had a sense that it was kind of complete, completed. And then I get a phone call from you. The playlist hadn't quite finished yet, but like I said, I had the sense that it was completed. And so you called and you said that you had done a tarot card pull for me. And so you went over the cards that had come up and the meaning. You said that this is what you had experienced. And whenever you had done the, I guess the aura cleanse, and then you looked for the blockages where those were in my body and some, just some encouraging things to take with me moving forward. You were saying during our phone conversation that you had experienced some nasal pressure that had just come up during the session. And so I thought it was neat. I'm actually looking at the uh, text message that I sent you after the fact, right? I had said, <clears throat> I forgot to mention that somewhere in the middle of the session, I sneezed twice. I think that's funny that you were feeling some nasal pressure. And you replied back, stop, I <laughs> sneezed two times. And then you have the little uh, laughing, crying emoji. The distance works. <laughs> and so I had replied, I'm glad you got that extra bit of reassurance on your first distance session. Wow, the universe is amazing. Yeah, it, it was really neat. It's a lot of trusting. Like, I'm so grateful that you trusted because I call you up. I could go just start around, you know, like I don't, I don't have to be sit here, sitting here doing the things that I'm doing, but you're trusting that I'm doing this. And it's, I find it very peculiar that you, you felt like it was done. And I called before the playlist because sometimes I'll finish a little sooner and, and it's okay. 
And I have been letting it play a little bit so people can just relax and just be. I'm learning with each session, but sometimes you are just complete and, and, and it's okay to finish, you know? So yeah, I brought, I kind of brought that up when I was talking to you about it afterwards and you're like, oh yeah, I did the tarot card draw and I did this and that. And at first with my thinking mind, it was like, oh wow, here I was thinking I was getting Reiki when I, when I wasn't. And so you had gone on to do these other things. I don't know how I felt like not, maybe it just, I felt a little embarrassed for myself that I thought I was getting Reiki when I wasn't, but a couple of things made it feel good because for one thing, I did kind of already feel like that sense of completion. And then also on top of that, you reaffirmed and reassured me that the Reiki, it continues to work even after you're done doing what it is that you're doing. There's nothing wrong with sitting there and allowing the Reiki to continue to do its thing and work its way through your body, which all of a sudden reminded me that one of the important things I wanted to talk to you is have you explain to our listeners what Reiki is. Is, so it, magic? It's a- is it voodoo magic? <laughs> no, it is magic. It's not voodoo though but it's a Japanese healing technique where in the simplest way to put it, I'm, I'm basically a portal and I'm an ally to the divine. The divine is my ally, Pachamama, however you want to call it, God, they're my ally and they are partnering up with me and I call them in and and i'm flowing that love to you so i'm just i'm just a portal and what this does is it's energy work it's like an energetic massage is how i like to describe it yeah so so we go through all of the seven chakras which start at the root and you go through all of them and we balance them out. And each of these chakras connects with our financial stability, to our confidence, to our love, to our intuition, to the core of who we are, our communication, the, the way that we process and, and our emotion. And a lot of times we, we focus, we hyper-focus on one thing. So let's say we're hyper-focusing on work. So that means you're pouring all of your energy into one chakra. And, and sometimes we just need a little realignment, kind of like a chiropractor. Mm-hmm. The instructor for my Reiki one, <clears throat> she emphasized how if the client is wanting to heap praise on you. Like, wow, you're amazing. I feel so much better. I had this pain and now it's gone. Or I just feel lighter. Like I've had a soul cleanse. I just feel more loving and lighter and free. She's like, you have to kind of reframe it for them because it's not you. Because what happens if you take that credit 
that actually belongs to the universe, to source. And then the next time healing looks different, right? They come to you again and what the universe is intending for them to get that day is not the type of healing that they were looking for. So maybe they were wanting something very specific done, like they had a pain in their shoulder or their knee. And guess what? This time it's still there. What happened? Well, if you weren't taking credit for the, the miracle the first time, you're not taking credit for the seeming failure or the disconnect the second time because you are just a channel and you're an ally with the universe. And you're just trusting as much as that person is that healing, that universal energy is going through and it's going to where it needs to go. And again, that can look what, like what they want it to be and what they expected. And then sometimes it might be a little bit more soft and gentle and a little bit more not in your face. And I really appreciate that, that practitioner for saying that. I think that's really important. And I also feel like when we look for something, we create a resistance. And when we create that resistance, then we're not really surrendering. And when we don't surrender, then we're not able to see what's really happening. So even those gentle messages don't come through because we're beaming and we're like, oh, we want it to look like this. And it just doesn't end up looking like anything. Like I didn't do anything. What did it work? Yeah, because you weren't looking for it. So you were so hyper-focused, like you said, <clears throat> on it looking a certain way, that if it doesn't match up, then you're like, nothing happened. Right. I think that speaks to my experience with hypnosis. I participated in a workshop for the month of January where I signed up as a client. So you have practitioners and clients for practitioners who want to practice. And so there's a total of eight sessions during the month of January. And so during the month of January, I got eight sessions as a client and I had very specific ideas sometimes of what I wanted to experience. I definitely want visuals. I want to be able to see things or at least know things. And it just, it didn't. <laughs> so sometimes that did come through, but the very first session, and I later found out that this is the way it is pretty much regardless, is that the emotions of anger and grief are the very first ones that have to be dealt with. And that is exactly what happened. My first session, I just felt anger. There were no visuals. There were no downloads, really. I was just sitting with this anger. And no one likes anger, right? We're not supposed to feel anger, you know, is what your message usually is. But yeah, I was sitting there with this uncomfortable, ugly emotion and also the grief. And it just totally did not look the way I thought it was going to be. And so I had to process that. And I had a great practitioner that I had been paired with because of course it's all divinely appointed. She encouraged me to 
continue to come back to the next week. And she texted me throughout the week, like, how are you? You were so brave to show up. This was awesome work. You did great. And here I am thinking that was a complete disaster. <laughs> and that kind of thing. But yeah, just approaching the sessions after that with just whatever's meant to show up. I'm going to allow that and just meet it. Yeah. And, and just saying that you wanted to meet it is like huge, it's huge being angry, being sad, like overwhelming such heavy energy. Cause that's exactly how I felt like throughout the process. It's not just that one time when I was in the yoga teacher training, it was like, it just kept going, you know? And like, how, how far do you want to go? And I think that's what really has ignited my purpose, my pursuit in freedom of feeling peace. It sounds like pretty fervent. <laughs> it's pretty fervent. I would like, how can I incorporate this in? Yes, I have fervently um, been throwing myself out there to experience everything to attain. And I don't even, I don't know why I don't call it liberation, but literally that liberation of, of those feelings, but at the same time coming to this realization that we need those feelings and they are so important. The hypnotist that did the workshop who facilitated, she also does this book club of sorts where her soul interviews another soul. And what came through in this conversation was fear, how fear is a doorknob to the truth. And so it's shining a light, focus here, concentrate here, relax here. And it was saying that fear is so personal, it's individualized, it's gonna look different for every single person, but it's an invitation. It's an invitation to what the truth really is because fear is not truth, it's, but it's guiding you to the truth. It's a guidepost. So I thought that was really cool about some an emotion that gets such a bad rap like fear it's kind of up there with anger but it's just an invitation for us to focus and see what it is that the truth is and relax it's an invitation to relax i had already asked you how did you get named sprout love because I wasn't going to take it for granted that that wasn't your real name because there are some very hippie-ish people out there who would name their kids Sprout Love. So I wasn't <laughs> going to say that wasn't possible, but I was asking you about your name. So I am, I'm my own hippie parent <laughs> and I renamed myself. <laughs> I used to go by Gnarly Sprout on Instagram and Gnarly because I was doing all the OCR, the Spartan races, climbing up mountains. And then this past year, there was so many Chris's and Christie's at work. I saw it as an opportunity to rename myself. And I said, I want to be Sprout. And 
and I have been trying, I've been changing, like I've been Christy Lou because that's my birth name and still my name. Some people still call me that because they're not used to Sprout, but I took it on as an opportunity and I said, you know, if that's the message that I want to bring is I want to sprout love all the time and every time I want well um, every time, but there was a few times that where I will tell someone that my name is Sprout and the joy, I feel like I'm giving them a present. The, the joy that sprouts on their face is like, really? I love it. And they get so happy and I'm like, so I, I took it on as an opportunity. I always really liked that as a name and I went for it. So what does the future possibly look like for Sprout Love? I read a really cool quote. So it's from the book Gene Keys by Richard Rudd. And it says, at the gift level, you will rethink all standard definitions of success and failure. Synchronicity is an energy field available to absolutely anyone whether they have the 46th gene key in their profile or not. The only prerequisite for tapping into synchronicity is this delight. In other words, you must remain open to surprises, let go of where you want life to take you, and trust in a force beyond your control. Delight invokes grace. This is about enjoying the ride. This doesn't mean that you should have no goals in life, or that you have to end up being some kind of aimless drifter. It means you hold your goals so lightly that they can be dropped if necessary at any point. So that being said, I know that you might have to drop these dreams or goals or it will shift, but what does that goal look like for you now? What do you see your your ministry, like your, your Dharma, where do you see that taking you? One day I see that opening up my own space that's completely accessible, that has a yoga studio in the back, that has green therapy with plants and having different offices for alternative healing. So for Reiki, for yoga, for massage therapists and for coaching. And then now there's been a twist because I'm going to start learning how to goldsmith. So I'm going to be learning how to make jewelry. I do see some sort of being able to offer classes for people. I want it to be a space where you can feel comfortable to just come and hang out and, and offer classes to teach people how to journal, how to make jewelry without it being too overwhelming. Just be a place, almost like a place that's been in my heart where I'm experiencing so much and uh, a whole plethora of, of options. And yeah, that's what I see myself. That's where I see myself. So later on in that same chapter of that Jinkies book, 
It says, there is actually no work more important on this earth than play. And so to me, what your place sounds like is a little playground, right? Like you said, you didn't want to be overwhelming and yet there's stuff there for wherever your curiosity, your sense of playfulness takes you and at the same time giving you community. The sense of community has been really emphasized to me here lately. I'm looking for that, you know? So I think, yeah. So I I really like the idea of your place that uh, leaves it open for creativity and exploration and that sense of play. I, I like it. And not just any play, not the kind of play that diverts you or numbs you, but just the opposite. It it grounds you into the present moment. And that's what play is. It's just taking whatever's there in the moment and making the most of it, breathing into that, whatever it is, whatever it looks like. Yeah. Really lean into those things. And I really like the way that you interpreted my, my future business I I love that that's so me without that place being a place that place is there and I want to remind people to to go play to go even if they don't have someone to play with remember to play with (laughs) sounds so silly but to play with yourself we so often leave ourselves abandoned because we're waiting on on something or someone else for that opportunity but wherever you're at in the world you walk out the door a few steps and you're you're in the you're in a playground I think that's taken for granted and I think that there's a lot out there for you to experience to help you feel more at peace well Sprout how can people find out more about you and follow what you're making in your own sandbox You can follow me on Instagram at underscore Sprout Love. That's the best way to reach me for now. And is that the best way for people to book a session with you is just to first reach out on Instagram? Or do you have a website? Yeah, I also have a calendar. I have a Calendly link and I'm working on a website. So soon in my little bio, there will be a little link that'll connect you to that. Okay, cool. Well, I love how in the Lifestylist podcast, Luke Story ends his pods asking his guests this question. So I'm including it in mine. Who have been three teachers or teachings in your life that you might share with our audience that they could go research and also learn from? The first person that comes to mind is Thich Nhat Hanh. He's a Buddhist. He practices being in the present. If I could think of a quote, I'd love to, but my memory does not serve me so well. So throughout the course of his course, that I took, every 15 minutes I had to take three breaths. That really pulled me into the present. And, and something, something else that he shared with me is that 
we can love someone from afar and we don't have to be with them. We can envision them in our heart and in our mind, how we can see them healed. And this has brought me a lot of peace. Another one of my teachers has been the mountain. Mm. (laughs) There's no any, yeah, the mountain outside, but mostly the mountain going through races and climbing up, seeing how far I can go has brought me really far. It showed me pieces of myself where I, I, I didn't even know and I didn't even recognize. And it's brought me a lot of healing to the mountain. I know you had said that you lived two hours away. Do you still live two hours away from the mountain? No, I live probably like an hour now, but my, my mountain has changed. I'm not climbing as much. And I say climbing, I mean hiking. I, I haven't been, my mountain has looked different. I've had to learn over, because I've been commuting for the past few years, and so it's changed a lot. I've had to learn how to shift. So my mountain is like that fear. My mountain is pushing myself in different ways. So now I ride my bike more. I actually started skateboarding. It's changed and being okay with that change too. Do you have a a third teacher you'd like to tell us about? The person that keeps coming to mind is probably my, my yoga teacher that led the 200 hour and her name is Christine Burke and she owns Liberation Yoga. It's between her and actually the person that got me prompted, which is Megan Butler now. It's a balance between them because without Megan, I wouldn't have met Christine. And without the program, I, I don't know how or when I would have ended up where I am. And just opening up my world, Christine has a program about chakras which has inspired me to make my own program about the chakras. And she's very loving and inviting and such a kindred spirit, which has inspired me in so many ways and taught me so much of who and how I want to be and how to accept everything and everyone around us. Now, does Megan have a, a website or a program that she facilitates? Yeah, Megan actually teaches at a local community college in Antelope Valley, and she leads the 200-hour program there. I want to thank you, Sprout Love, so much for joining me in Sheffy's Sandbox. Much love to you and our listeners today. Thank you so much for having me on and so much love to you and all your listeners. One last thing, don't forget the magic. Don't forget to add a little bit of pixie dust in your life because every day that you're alive is a magical one. Mm-hmm.